Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 390 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me again this week. It's Nate Dotson. How are you, Nate? I couldn't be better. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, glad the listeners haven't rebelled and banned me from returning, so... Shout out to all y'all. <laughs> They're waiting it out. I fully expect it's going to happen <laughs> at some point. But still time. Uh, yeah, so far so good. So uh, you know this uh, this week, I guess we should start with what happened in Milwaukee. The Reds did win today in the final game of the uh, three game set against the, the Brewers. Uh, won five to one. Another strong start by Sonny Gray. We'll talk about that uh, later. And uh, you know Jonathan India three run homers and Nick Castellanos homer. Uh, it's uh, it was a good day, even though the only. Uh, could win one of the three, but they were just coming off a stretch of winning eight of their last 11 games and uh, in which they uh, vaulted past San Diego into the wild, the second wild card spot. So um, overall, you know, we, I wish we could have uh, done better against the, against the, uh, the Brewers, eight and a half behind Milwaukee now, but the Reds are, you know, still uh, as of press time here, game and a half uh, up on San Diego for that final wild card spot. So, you know, not too bad, right? Not too bad at all. I thought it was nice of the Reds to, you know, just toy with Milwaukee the first two days, let them have their cup of tea before showing them what they're really made of in game three. But um, one thing I looked at and found interesting was that in the last 10 games, the Reds are six and four. Um, the Giants are nine and, or I'm sorry, the uh, Dodgers are nine and one in that stretch. Of all the non-division leaders in the National League, only the Rockies are were, went, went six and four in that ten-game run. So while the Reds are playing just good enough, everybody else is kind of just trying to tread water, and that's what it takes to make a late-season run. You got to be playing your your best when other teams go cold. Yeah, yeah. I said eight of uh, their last eleven. So now that's uh, you know uh, nine of their last fourteen. It's that's gonna it's gonna get it done. It's gonna get it done. Uh, so uh, we Chris Garber and I last week talked a little bit about you know is it time to kind of I mean you don't you don't want obviously don't give up on the division race. There's still games to play, and the Reds want to try to win all of them. And who knows what happened? Crazy things have happened. But yeah, really, any chance the Reds were going to make a push here soon? And it has to be soon. You know, we're six weeks left. In the in the less than six weeks now left in the season, um, they had to do better than uh, win a one out of three uh, in Milwaukee, and this is the last time they play Milwaukee. So I, to me, it's ninety nine percent at this point that it has to be the the wild card, right? Let's not get spoiled. We're Reds fans. We'll take we'll it. take the wild card. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I yeah, I posted something on on Twitter, which is that's always a bad idea. Never post things on Twitter, <laughs> but. Um, Somebody responded, uh, well, be prepared to be disappointed. I'm not even sure what I tweeted, but my response was, buddy, I'm a Reds fan. I'm always prepared to be disappointed. Um, the Reds right now, according to Fangraphs, just uh, let's update it, they are projected to finish with 86 wins, um, I believe. And I've got the playoff odds here somewhere. I thought I did. Well, I pulled up the wrong uh, wrong page. So the Reds' playoff odds are... Good, he says as he <laughs> as he stalls to, <laughs> to 
Um, 67% to make the playoffs. Get out of here. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. 1.3% to win the World Series. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> exactly. You know, the teams that have better than a 67% chance to make the playoffs are the, in the, in the National League are the Braves, who have just gone nuts lately, um, the Brewers, and the Dodgers and Giants. So the Reds are. And then after the Reds at 67%, you've got the Padres at 23.8% and uh, the Phillies at 20 Now, it's just math, and, and we all hate math, but I'm, I like when the math is in our favor, right? <laughs> right. So I'm going to ask you the question. This wasn't on our uh, our little uh, our notes, our show notes uh, for the week, but I'm going to ask you this question because uh, I'm interested to know what you, what you think. The Reds have a one game playoff in Los Angeles. We're gonna we're gonna say because it's going to be on the road. The the wild card game. Uh, who do you pitch? Who's your starting pitcher? One game in the wild card against the defending champion Dodgers. Oh my goodness, my. My gut tells me to go with Castillo. I think he's got the best stuff. Um, he seems like the kind of guy that's not going to shy away from the moment. But we're kind of in a decent position where I'm not going to have a strong argument against anybody the Reds run out there unless it's Brad Brock. <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. No, Really? Uh, you know, I want to talk about Sonny Gray, as I said, in a little bit. We're going to talk about Vladimir Gutierrez. A little bit, but I mean, I think for that one game you got, it's either Castillo, Miley, or Mally. And you can make a great argument for, for any of those. That's who I go with. I go with Castillo. Well, I'm not one for hyperbole, but Vladimir uh, Gutierrez might be the greatest pitcher in the history of the earth. <laughs> you know, let's go ahead and uh, and uh, and lead off with that. Vladimir Gutierrez, what, what's going on here? What's happened to him? When did he become so good? I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to lie and pretend that I knew a ton about him, um, you know, going into the last couple of seasons. But he's just gotten better and better all year. He's got great command of four different pitches. I'm pumped. I'm pumped about the Gutierrez there. If, he, if he's your fourth or fifth starter, you're in a pretty good place. Yeah, on this team, he's the fifth starter, and there aren't going to be very many fifth starters better than him. His numbers on the year. Of course, um, there, it, you say he's gotten better, and you're absolutely right. I'm going to want to talk about that in a second. But he's nine and four, three point six eight ERA. His ERA plus is one thirty, which is just uh, amazing. You know, it's a twenty five year old right hander that just keeps getting better. Now, um, Red Lake Nation had a piece about uh, about him, and really interesting. You know, over his first ten starts, he was a, a rookie. You know, some good starts, some bad starts, um, but 4.97 ERA. So he went eight days between his 10th and 11th start. And in the six starts since then, 1.86 ERA, giving up just three home runs in 38.2 innings, walked just 10 batters, and struck out 36. I mean, um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And... You know, all I knew about him coming into the season was that he's the guy who uh, got that had that long suspension for taking uh, performance-enhancing drugs in the minor leagues. And uh, I don't, I don't want to suggest he was taking any performance-enhancing drugs between his tenth and eleventh starts, but uh, his performance <laughs> has been enhanced. He clearly did not take anything. That was a dumb joke. I'm going to chalk it up to questionable pork. <laughs> questionable what? 
<laughs> they got some weird pork down there up here. I guess. Um, yeah, he's been he's been fantastic. And you know, you look at the the Reds five starters, and there's not a weak link. I know Sonny Gray's had his ups and downs, and I know Luis Castillo was awful. You know, for the first month of the season, month plus, but the Reds have five starters who are all significantly above average when you look at the uh, the advanced uh, analytics. So, uh, somebody, somebody was comparing this team. Not really comparing this team, but uh, the discussion was who's your who, what's the most fun Reds teams since uh, since the nineteen ninety champions. And you know, 2012 was one. And the reason why people kept saying 2012 was, you know, they had five starters who you just you had a chance every night. Well, guess what? That's what the Reds have now as well. And it's uh, it's fun. It, it's just it, it's fun to watch these guys. Yeah, it's nice knowing that you're going to have a chance to, uh, you know, have a pitcher come in any day of the week, put up a low number and keep your team in the ball game. Of course, it doesn't always happen, but it's a luxury that as Reds fans, we haven't had. Too often over the years. Yeah, yeah, we really haven't at all. That 2012 team and, and this one, about the only teams in my lifetime where they've really had a, you know, a, a, a seriously above average pitching staff. So definitely fun. More news from the week. Tyler Naquin wins player of the week. Hit 500, 552 on base, 1154 slugging. Um, he had about a billion home runs and even more triples, I think. I mean, or doubles. He did have a triple. Uh, just uh, just uh, incredible. Right as uh, we were criticizing him on the podcast last week. <laughs> because the fact of the matter is, if you look at his stats between uh, the end of April and last week's podcast, he had been awful. I mean, that's the only way to put it. He'd really been bad. But uh, then he just he reminded us what he what we saw in the in the first month of the season, which is when this guy gets hot, I mean, it's scorching hot and uh, a deserving player of the week. I didn't see that one coming. What I'm hearing is the more we sort of talk poorly of Mr. Naquin, the better he plays. So Tyler, you are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say. That's I think we need to double down on it. Get him out of here. If you get to be the player of the week. For the next several, you know what? I think you stink. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. He, he's been a kind of, he's 30 years old uh, at this point, and he's really never been healthy for a full season in his major league career. But he, he came to the big leagues as a, you know, not really a hot shot prospect, but a decent prospect and had some, you know, some, some good moments with the Cleveland Indians. Uh, I think we, we all got kind of mesmerized by his April. Uh, he's somewhere in between uh, April and this past week, and then what we saw the rest of the season. But he's a to me, he's a good uh, fourth outfielder, uh, like a really good fourth outfielder. And he's not going to kill you, maybe if you if you're starting him. But I, I think saying he's anything more than a fourth outfielder is, I I can't don't think I can I don't think I can uh, can sign up for that. Am I am am I am I being too uh, too mean to poor Tyler? Well, you're being totally reasonable. Um, as we often are as Reds fans, you know, reason goes out the window, especially if you look at that Twitter verse. Um, you know, one thing worth noting is that, you know, he finished what third in the rookie of the year voting in 2016, and he hasn't played more than 89 games in a year since, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So the guy's got some talent. Um, 
maybe this is the first time he's been healthy. Uh, I saw an interview with him where he was really raving about the Reds, you know, strength and conditioning coaches, the training staff. Um, I want to be an optimist here and think that, hey, this is just a guy who's getting a chance to put it all together for the first time in several years. And, you know, if, if his basement, if the floor is fourth outfielder, there's, there's no shame in that. I'm pumped about it. And the guy can go on these hot streaks. And, hey, if he goes on a hot streak during a pennant race, I'll be his best friend. Yeah, bring Except it on. Except when I'm talking poorly about him so that he keeps getting in a player of the week. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I, I can't forget, though, the, the at-bats from May 1st until last week that weren't good. So, I don't know, somewhere in there. but uh, Totally fair, totally fair. Yeah, but his numbers on the year are slightly above average. Uh, he's a 272 batting average, 337 on base, 481 slugging. Dude's hit 18 home runs. I mean, uh, maybe I am being unfair. You can't complain about that, I guess. But sheesh, oh. don't go cold ever. Uh, speaking about your your theory of, of of talking bad about players in order to uh, maybe motivate them, I hate to I hate to say this, but uh, the uh, Newest superstar, uh, according to Reds fans, Kyle Farmer, in uh, August has gone back to being Kyle Farmer. I don't know if anybody's noticing his 284 on base, 653 OPS, 262 average. He's kind of returned to form, but I, we're not supposed to say that, I think, um, because he's a superstar now. So I haven't heard many people bringing him up of late. Funny how that is. Hmm. Ah, Kyle Farmer, he's you know. I feel like we uh, we rag on my guy. He, he's not a he's not terrible. Okay, he's not a terrible player. He's as a matter of fact, I will say this: he is much better than I thought he was coming into the season. I'm willing to give him that. Uh, just you know, I had really examined his minor league numbers uh, very closely, and the guy hit a little down there. And clearly, his defense this year has been. It, more than acceptable at shortstop. Uh, but let me ask you about this one. I'm a, I'm a big Jose Barrero guy. And Barrero is the shortstop of the future. There's no question. All the Reds finally brought him up. And it just frustrated me the other night when uh, David Bell, he's the Reds manager, you know, uh, okay. double switched Jonathan Indy out of a game and brought in Jose Barrero and put Barrero at second base where he's really not played very much. He actually made a great play there. Uh, he's going to be such a good shortstop. But why don't you move your the guy that's a, your utility guy <laughs> before this year? Before he was uh, even this year when they had Suarez playing it, Farmer was the utility guy because they put Suarez there because they knew Kyle Farmer's not a, not the guy. Um, as it turns out, Suarez wasn't the guy either, and we'll have an opportunity to talk about him as well. But uh, tonight, Do we but, have to. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but why do why does David Bell not move Farmer to second base? And put Barrero, the shortstop of the future, at short. I think I have an answer to this, but do you have any, any thoughts on that? I don't have any good thoughts. I mean, generally, I just think David Bell is a he's – he's an okay manager. You know, we, we could do worse. We could do a lot better, assuming there's better out there. I don't know. But I'm interested to hear what, uh, what you think he's thinking. Well, I just – to me, uh, I, I always run these decisions – through the lens of David Bell has to walk in that clubhouse every day. And those are actual human beings. 
And whether you think Kyle Farmer should be a shortstop or not, you can't deny he's played his butt off for the Reds this year. Right. And he's done everything that David Bell's asked of him. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm guessing that's it. But I, I worry that, and the reason I worry is because we've seen this too many times with the Reds, but that we get to the spring, next year, next spring, and uh, farmers, it's farmers' job to lose. Now he will ultimately lose it to Barrero, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know why we have to pretend he's anything more than a, a, a somewhat handy utility guy. But we're one, we're supposed to pretend to that. One thing that I think that uh, you know this podcast, you and Chris and some of the other guys have always been super fair about is rooting for these players. Hey, they're they're trying their best. They play for your Reds. Let's give them all the support in the world, but also being objectively. You know, just honest and upfront about the stats and who these players are, who they've been for their careers, not getting too uh, you know excited by the highs or down by the lows. And I think it's a, that's it's an awesome way to approach fanhood. The problem is when your manager and your general manager start behaving the same way. The, right. Tyler Naquin has been you know very solid for us this year. Kyle Farmer's had some great hot streaks, but they shouldn't be reasons that the front office doesn't make better moves and try to improve the club like oh yeah well, Kyle Farmer had a good week we should probably give him every opportunity in the world to fail well you have and he has <laughs> at some point yeah you are what the back of your baseball card says you are uh, you and I had a conversation over text I guess it was this week and about how you know there are guys that you really don't think need to be uh, on the team or you know in, in playing such a, a big role on the team and you see so many people, you feel like they're kind of rooting against them. I try really hard that, hey, when Kyle Farmer's up there, you know what? I want him to do a home run every time. I want Tyler Naquin to win Player of the Week every week because it helps the Reds. And, you know, ultimately that makes me uh, happier. Uh, you see a lot of that kind of fans having this, uh, I don't know, split personality when it comes to some of these guys. Oh, I wish he would just, you know. <laughs> Why can't he just hit a pop up or strike out, and we'll be you know, one step one step closer to being done with him? Uh, you see that? I see it all the time. I'm not gonna lie. I, I feel that sometimes. Um, could agree more that you know these guys are up at the plate. These guys are in the field. Like you are our Reds. Go be awesome. I will be your biggest fan in the world outside of your mom and your girlfriend. But California having a good at bat should not prevent Jose Barrero from starting at shortstop every day for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and again, I, I, I think 90% of the reason or more that Barrero is not your starting shortstop right now. Because I, th- I think empirically, I mean, I guess you make the argument, that Barrero was bad last year when he came up, but he's hit at every level in the minor leagues uh, big time. And he's a better defensive player by all accounts than Kyle Farmer. Again, not that I'm saying Kyle Farmer's bad. If the Reds were really serious about putting their best team on the field, Barrero would be at shortstop. Now, if they were serious about putting their best team on the field, Farmer's probably not in the dugout. He's probably playing third base. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. And another question I have for you is, you know, I think you're right that there are some clubhouse management things going on behind the scenes. These guys have been here all year. You don't want the rookie to come up and take these at-bats from a guy like Kyle Farmer who's been, you know, trying his butt off. But what about some of the older guys? What about Joey Votto, who's you know only sniffed the playoffs a few times? Which way do you think somebody like that leans? Would they rather 
you know, see Suarez and Farmer trotted out there, or would you rather have this young sort of firebrand come up and maybe spark the team to a serious playoff run? Well, that's a fascinating question. I hadn't really thought about it in those terms. You know, I, I thought about David Bell. Uh, you know, it's it's really hard for him to sit a, a Farmer or a Suarez or or Mustakas. These you know these vets um, who've been there. Um, and, and you know, Vado has uh, said that uh, Suarez is of all his te- he's his second favorite of all his teammates he's ever had behind Jay Bruce. Uh, you know, and I, I, I bet I bet a guy like Vado is torn. And Vado's smart enough to know, I think. Uh, who's who and what makes the team better. Uh, now, he's not going to sell out any of his teammates, throw them under the bus, obviously, but uh, he's running out of years. And if there's ever a time to get him into a World Series, it's probably now. Because who knows if he's ever going to be this Joey Votto again. And by the way, um, can we just uh, take just a second to marvel about how Joey Votto continues to be incredible? Goodness gracious. Um, yeah, but that's a that's a really interesting. I, I wonder if you know if he he were uh, you know would tell the truth on this, which obviously he never would. But if he did tell you the truth, I, I wonder what he thinks. I want the best nine guys on the field every day because I really got to win something soon. I'm getting old. It's a it's a good question. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. We gotta get Winker back in this lineup. Can we please? Should be soon. Uh, you know, Jesse Winker's a good player. He's uh, he's he's gotten pretty good at hitting the baseball. He has. He has. You know, every time uh, I'm, we marvel over Jonathan India, as well we should. He may be leading in the rookie of the year race at this point. People around baseball are finally starting to stand up and, and, and pay attention. But I'm, I'm telling you, I look at this team, and I see Tyler Stevenson, who's uh, hitting numbers are pretty much just as good as Jonathan Indias. And this is a 24-year-old catcher and a 24-year-old second baseman, both playing incredible. And then you got Gutierrez, who we already talked about. How about those rookies? It makes you excited for the future. I, uh, I'm a big, big Stevenson fan. How could you not be? The only uh, you know, kind of downside there is that we're also all huge Tucker Barnhart fans. So I want to see him both on the field all the time. I love them both. Um, but the future is bright. We got three legitimate rookie of the year candidates. Yeah, and I think we have a viewer mail question that kind of hits on uh, that we can hit on this question a bit more. But yeah, you know, uh, I think I'm, you know, Tucker's in his 30s now, and uh, he's been kind of mentoring Stevenson. And at some point, you know, Stevenson's going to start getting 60% of the starts instead of 40% of the starts. And uh, actually, they're they're pretty close in terms of plate appearances this year it's about 50 yeah. 50 in terms of plate appearances as, as i'm looking at it so at some point it's going to start weighing heavier in, in stevens as it has to but that doesn't mean i've always said I, I, you could go back probably five years on this podcast uh it was when the first time i said it uh, tucker barnhart's going to be a great backup catcher for somebody in his 30s and i hope it's here you know great defense uh now he's he's put together a little bit with a bat he's not great he's been a below average hitter this year but for a catcher he's been uh fantastic really i mean he's been more than serviceable um, uh, he needs to be. Uh, they need to sign him to four more years to be the mm-hmm. Stevenson's kind of kind of catcher mate. If I was Nick Crawl, I would I would just call him up and say, "Hey, what's your number? How many years? Let's 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 work something out. Let's keep you here for four or five, six years. Just be the backup, be the mentor, and just be this this rock for the rotation." 
if I were Nick Crawl. <laughs> there are other things I would also do, but that is yeah. No, I agree. Uh, let me ask you this question, because I see this posed occasionally. So, there are some suggestions that Stevenson needs to be moved off of catcher. Just you know, get him to first base or, or you know, to be Votto's replacement at first base. What do you think about that? Um, I, my gut reaction is no. Um, a good hitting an offensive catcher is, is you know, it's, it's like having a great tight end in football. There's just not that many of them. So if you have that, it's such a leg up against your other teams, especially if you can also call a game. Yeah, I think it's a reasonable thing to, to speculate about, but I I can't I can't I can't do it. Tyler Stevens. I will tell you if he could uh, field a if he could field third base, there's an argument to be made that if he had his bat at third base this season at least. Yeah. Oh well, anybody's bat basically that worked. Yeah, I, I think I leave Stevenson there. You know, maybe when Votto goes, you can think about it, depending on how his health is. Um, I mean, I, I understand the uh, the reason to, to make that suggestion. You know, we saw Devin Miserocco, who uh, was just he was an all-star and looked on the brink of being, you know, one of the best catchers in baseball, and he's going to stay healthy after that. Would he have been able to stay more healthy as a first base? I, I don't know. Anyway, let's let's move on because uh, we got a lot to cover here. We got a number of viewer mail questions. We'll get through as many as we can. Uh, I've teased uh, Sonny Gray a little bit here lately. Sonny Gray, you know, frankly, has not looked good for a, a portion of the year, and certainly since coming back off the, uh, I guess he was on the disabled list right around the All Star game, and just uh, just not great at all uh, post All Star game. Um, until the last two starts, until through through August fifteenth, so basically a month, six starts. Uh, you know, um, what, where's the ZRA here? There it is, seven point two two. I don't know how to use the uh, the interwebs today. Seven point two two ERA over six starts after coming off the uh, the disabled list, and he said something a couple starts ago. He's like, "Oh, I'm so close. I'm so close. Uh, I'm about. I'm about. I'm about." There, well, as uh, two starts ago against Miami, uh, he goes seven innings, seven shutout innings, gives up one hit, struck out five, and then of course today against the Brewers, one of the better teams in the league, six innings, three hits, no runs. So we're talking thirteen consecutive uh, scoreless innings, struck out six, um, ERA back down to three nine one on the year. Uh, man, <laughs> I don't know how much we can keep. Uh, kind of uh, tossing uh, compliments towards his pitching staff, but he looks like the Sonny Gray that we'd seen before. And today in particular, he's so sharp, so sharp. And uh, I don't know, I, I, he's as good as he's ever been right now. Is it going to keep going? I don't know. But you know, the, 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 the word is that his spin rate took a bigger hit than just about anybody when they made you quit using the sticky stuff. In uh, made pitcher stop using the sticky stuff, and and so maybe he was just trying to figure it back out again, and now he's there. I don't know, but I'm just uh, I'm thrilled with what we've seen out of Sonny Gray. He alluded to a couple things in some interviews about trying to refine his slider, and it seems like he's found it, especially over the last uh, the last two or three starts. If if that was what was his you know what what the problem was, it doesn't seem to be anymore because he was locating it today and it was looking strong. Yeah, yeah. So uh, really interesting to see him because I kind of 
resign myself to him. You know, to, it's going to take a while, if ever, to get back. Um, speaking of pitchers, let's talk about a couple. First of all, the Reds designated Sean Doolittle for assignment this week. Did that bring a tear to your eye as it did mine, Nate? You know, I, I'm not going to be as passionate about you know former University of Virginia guys as you. I will say that I did enjoy watching him as an offensive player at UVA more than I did as a pitcher in Cincinnati. It's true. But it's true. Uh, he's hey, a great two way player, all American. Oh. But it is the right thank decision, you right? For your service. Um, he, he's had a great career. I'm not saying his career is done by any means, but he had a bad year. It, it wasn't really very good at many points. Yeah, it wasn't working. And, and you know, when uh, TJ Antone was ready to come off the um, disabled list or the injured list, uh, old guy still calls about the old name. Uh, Doolittle made sense. Uh, you know, they'd already dumped Hembry, who signed with the Mets. So, so maybe uh, Doolittle will sign somewhere. You know, his, his, superficially, his numbers don't look terrible. Allowed a lot of inherited runners. But his velocity was better. I think he'll get a shot somewhere at age 34. I think I saw he was claimed by the Mariners. Oh, there you go. Uh, I'm going to be in Seattle next week. I'm not going to see a baseball game, though, but maybe I'll go visit him. Rock your UVA Doolittle jersey. Exactly, <laughs> yes. I do not have one of those, but I'm going to get one this week. So so I mentioned TJ Antone was activated. Did you hear me when I mentioned oh, that? Man, I, I tried to forget that you said it. Why did you bring it back up? TJ Antone, and I, he's another one that I was really interested to see when he comes back. How's the sticky stuff, uh, you know, that, the ban on that? Because he, he used it to great effect. And we're not going to find out because... He comes in, throws five pitches in his uh, first game back, and left with an injury. And now we find out that Tommy John surgery for T.J. Antone, the second Tommy John surgery that uh, that he's had. This his career, I hope not. I, don't, I hate to even speak this new existence, but his career really might be done. Very few people come back from a second. Tommy John. It's just sad. It breaks your heart. I mean, there is a precedent. There are a handful of guys who have come back and still been effective major leaguers. So I'm going to just, you know, send all the happy goodness out into the universe and hope that that's the case for TJ Antone because, man, it's that's heartbreaking. Yeah, I think Nathan Eovaldi uh, with Boston, I think he uh, he's re- uh, returned from a second one and, and, and doing well. Um. Yeah. Daniel Hudson may have come back for more. Oh, there you go, Daniel Hudson. Um, current Brewer. When I say handful, I think there was like three. Yeah, yeah. Um. So anyway, you know, um, the what I saw about that was, and the reason maybe to have some good vibes, good vibes only, with T.G. Antone is that most of those pitchers who had that second Tommy John surgery were in their thirties. So you know. They were along a little bit. T.J. Antone's just 27. Um, boy, when he's good, he's good uh, this year. I mean, and and I, I don't. I hope we don't ever forget just how great T.J. Antone was early this season. He was the only pitcher in that bullpen pitching well, and it was not just pitching well; it was dazzlingly good. And uh, he, and he, frankly, he if the Reds end up making the playoffs, Antone gets big time credit. I know just 23 uh, appearances. But he kept that bullpen together, you know, with smoke and mirrors somehow. I don't know when they were awful, when he was the only one out there pitching well. So, uh, you Absolutely. know, 
Oh, gosh. It's just so sad. Why do you make me sad, Nate? You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of answers to that that we can get into. We might need to bring a psychologist in here. Yeah. A psychologist, but um, <laughs> this one was out of our hands. And, uh, you know, whenever TJ got hurt the last time, he was tweeting out, I don't know if it was a hashtag or what, but road to 100. He said, when I, when I come back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit 100 miles per hour. And then he tweeted out after this one, road to 101. So, you know, oh, we're all with TJ. Let's get you back, get you to 101, better than ever. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, it's going to be a while before we see him again, but uh, I just I just like that guy. Uh, you know, love watching the pitch. Got to root for him. Absolutely. So, good luck, TJ Anton. One last piece of news before we jump into viewer mail. I've got some good questions this week that will touch on a bunch of good Reds topics, but this uh, we do need to uh, discuss the fact, because I don't think we had mentioned this yet, but the Reds are going to be playing in next year's Field of Dreams game. Now, I didn't watch it this year. I, I don't even know why I didn't watch it. I, 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 Garber always calls me a gooey Field of Dreams type fan. And, and I do like Field of Dreams. I, I understand the objections to it, and they're all wrong. It's a great movie. Um, did you watch the Field of Dreams game? I watched most of it. I did have to call it a little bit early because of, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a responsible adult and have a bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, really? When did that, that happen? Despite the fact that I'm unmarried with no children and still have a bedtime. Um, um, I have a great friend. We will forgive him for being a Braves fan, but uh, he's my uh, baseball buddy in town. And he and his wife, huge baseball fans, so they have a little outdoor um, projector screen. And we grilled out and drank a couple of adult beverages and watched the game on the uh, outdoor projector. And it was. It was special. It was great. It's one of those things that you have to be a true baseball fan to really appreciate, and I think it's it's a good example of what baseball has that other sports do not. Yeah, I thought I thought everybody's going to mock uh, Major League Baseball for doing this thing because you know they think the way to appeal to the next generation is to uh, you know play a game based on a movie that nobody under forty has ever heard of. It's <laughs> a good point, um, but. Just from watching the you know the highlights and things like that, I was like, whoa, they actually, and you, you don't get to say this much about baseball, but they actually got that right. And of course, it didn't hurt that you know they had a great ending, uh, evidently, with the uh, Tim Anderson home run. Um, but uh, man, I'm kind of excited about the Reds being this stupid game. You know, um, it's it's, it's kind of silly, but what's wrong with that? You know, what's what's wrong with a little, uh, you know. Uh, be able to reminisce a little bit and a little bit of nostalgia. Um, the Reds will be playing the Chicago Cubs Ugh. in that game. That's not going to be good, right? I mean, if you're going to win a game, beating the Cubs is one of the most enjoyable experiences a human being can have. How did this, this is true? <laughs> no question about that whatsoever. But you know, how do they miss this opportunity to have the White Sox come back again and have the Reds and the White Sox play because? In the movie, they were the two teams, you know, that uh, Joe Jackson, you know, was uh, heavily featured in the movie, obviously. And, um, you know, he was banned for the 1919 World Series, uh, where the Reds would have won anyway. Let's not let's not be silly here. But there's the Reds and the White Sox. And, you know, um, that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Um, Well, I do have two questions. One, are we going? Well, the answer to that one is, I'm told the ticket prices were extremely high, but the answer is 
Absolutely yes. <laughs> okay. Love the answer. Um, I'll start a GoFundMe. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so we can get, catch that Greyhound. My other question is... we got to pay for this, a billboard first, by the way. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> and this is more of a... Uh, we don't have to answer this on the podcast. We can leave it up to some of our listeners. But outside of this game, what would it take to get you to go to Dyersville, Iowa? Uh, well, one of our loyal uh, viewers uh, here lives in Iowa. And so until he moves, I'm never going to Iowa, anywhere in Iowa. <laughs> uh, you know who you are. Um, don't don't at me. Um, yeah, I would never go there. I, mean, I guess they've got the, 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 they've had the stadium, I think, or it's not really a stadium, I guess the field. It's supposedly a, uh, a tourist attraction, I guess. Uh, although I hadn't heard anything about it until, for many years uh, since this, until this Field of Dreams game. But I, yeah, I'm not, not that excited to go to Iowa. The biggest reason is in Iowa, you're like blacked out from like, you know, 28 teams. These crazy blackout rules. Not really that many, but a bunch of teams you're blacked out from watching in Iowa. Where there is no Major League Baseball. Oh, baseball's so stupid. So we have to go to the game just so we can actually see the game hurt. That's right. Yes, absolutely. So we're going. We're there. Um, I love it, though. I think it's super exciting. I mean, the Reds get featured in anything Major League Baseball is trying to do. I remember the slow sort of trickle on Baseball Tonight and Sports Center when they started getting away from just telling you all about all the games that happened. And lamenting being a Reds fan, and it was like 2005. And like, what? Well, when do they just stop showing Reds highlights? <laughs> so I'm going to relish the fact that uh, MLB is going to be forced to market and advertise the Reds for a few weeks. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, did you did you see the the graphic they were posting all over social media announcing the Reds and, and the Cubs? It uh, it had Joey Votto and Jesse Winker. Who are two really good Reds? You may have noticed that. It did not have Nick Castellanos on it. It did not. And in, in, I bring that up only because uh, idiot reporter John Heyman was talking today about how, or this week about how, um, I think it was Heyman. Now, I'm, now maybe I've got that wrong, but Heyman is an idiot. Yeah, um, I'm still I'm still trashing. That's yeah, fine. right. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I know he's one of our newest patrons, but I'm sorry. Get out of here. Uh, Anyway, the, the 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 word was just about how he's going to get a big payday, and he's leaning towards not coming back. That's crazy. How do you know that right now? I mean, you know, uh, so much that it depends on. And, and my response to all that talk was, yeah, he's probably going to opt out of his contract. He has the right to do that. He, you know, uh, he he has to live up to his terms of the contract, and so do the Reds. And that's one of the terms of the contract. He can opt out if he wants. Uh, and and you know, if if it's a, about a payday, go get it. You only get to play baseball for a very short period of time, and I wish the Reds could give him that payday if Bob Castellan wanted to. Could absolutely sweeten the pot for him. But my thought was, yeah, you know, the Reds are in a playoff spot as of right now. You know, they're they're in the lead for one of the playoff spots. He's a Red right now. I'm, just, you know, I, I don't, I can't get that kind of people want, wanting to be upset about something and being upset about what. Nick Castellanos might do this winter. It just it, it, that stuff wears me out. And whatever you you be you, be a fan however you want to be a fan. I don't care um, until it, they take over my mentions um, on the twitters. But um, I don't know. I'm why can't we just enjoy what we ha- good things that we have while we have them? That's my question to you, Nate. I think it's important to realize that 
multiple things can be true at the same time. It can be true that not offering an awesome, lucrative extension to Nick Castellanos the first month of the season could be considered management malpractice. But it's also true that as a fan, this is entirely out of our control. We're in a pennant race. This guy is crushing baseballs for our Cincinnati Reds. He will be a Cincinnati Red until this season is done. What is the point? There's enough negativity in the world today. Let's focus on what we do have, which is Nick Castellanos on our roster raking. Yeah, and I, again, it's kind of for me to say this. It's you know because I've been whining about Bob Castellani all year long, but I really tried hard to make a distinction between. I hate the management of this team. I think Nick Carl's probably not a good general manager. We've we've discovered, um, and he, he's also had his hands tied by. Castellini, who's the worst owner in baseball, but boy, this team is lovable. <laughs> I can't. I, 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 I try to separate all that because I do have fun watching this team every night, and it's been a while since we could really say that. Some people say, "Well, last year they made the playoffs." I'm like, "Well, they snuck into an eight-team playoff. They played well for ten days of the season, basically, and they were miserable to watch the rest of the season. They were miserable to watch in the playoffs." <laughs> Ooh. I thought, we, I thought we agreed we weren't going we to discuss <laughs> that. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm going to try to I'm, I'm going to try to be positive about the, the guys on the field as much as possible because there's so much to be positive about. It's fun. It's fun having a team that's, you know, um, well over 500 and in a driver's seat for a playoff spot. It's fun. Right. Isn't that what we watch baseball for fun? And his energy and bravado is one of the the main reasons this season has been so fun. I mean, he, he kind of set the tone there early. So I'm with you 100%. We got to let this ride. If, even if it's short-lived, it's more of a reason to just focus on what we've got right now. It's kind of an easy narrative, but I think there's some truth to the fact that when he flexed over that poor hapless Cardinals pitcher at home plate, you know, when he slid in, and got suspended for it. Um, when he did that, let's effing go. That really did set the tone for what this team was going to be. And you know, I wrote I wrote a piece at, at Cincinnati Magazine that I didn't write the headline, but they called them the Rowdy Reds. I thought that's it. That's a good headline. You know, these this team is just you know they're just fun and they are confident and they've got personalities. Oh man, I like them. I like the twenty twenty one Reds. And I think it's a scientific fact that you cannot win the World Series without a sweet nickname. So we've got a, we've got a leg up. There you go. I think that is true. Uh, let's, you want to answer some viewer mail questions? Bring them on. These questions are actual letters from actual viewers. They are from our friends at uh, patreon.com slash redlegradio. Patreon.com slash redlegradio. And the first one comes from, and we're going to try to get to all of them if we can. If we can't, uh, I'm sorry, but, you know, we're just, uh, we can't stay here all night. Nate has a bedtime. He's already told us that. Exactly. <laughs> you were doing that so I'd cut short the viewer mail, weren't you, Nate? <laughs> well, what do you see some of these questions? I'm just <laughs> kidding. They're all awesome. I'm trying to whip up uh, resentment against you here. Viewer mail is my favorite part of the podcast. Exactly. Please might do. Keep them coming. All right. So let's go with uh, James Urban. James Urban asks, what are your thoughts on the wild card being one game and not a series? It's always annoyed me. One game is never a true representation of a team, so much can happen. 
This year, it may end up benefiting the Reds, but curious what your thoughts are. Uh, do you have thoughts, or do you want me to dive into that? Um, I'll give you some quick ones. I, I, I get both sides of the argument. Totally understand it. My, my thing is very simple. For 36 years, I have been a Cincinnati Reds fan. I will take every single opportunity that I get, whether it is one day or over the course of a seven-game series, to be in the playoffs. Except for that 2013 wildcard game against Pittsburgh. We're not, we're not counting that one. That's fair. If it, but if I was a Yankees or Red Sox fan, sure, I would hate it. If I was a Reds fan, you know what? I agree with the point about it uh, not being a true representation, but I just, I just love having a reason to believe, to have some hope. Yeah, you, uh, like I always say, you got to be in the tournament to win it, right? Uh, I don't have a problem with it at all, frankly. Uh, to me, if you don't want to play in a one-game playoff, win your division. There should be some benefit to winning the division. And the fact that you don't have to go through a one-game playoff, it seems to me like a reasonable you know, way to treat a team that did not win its division. And so I don't have a problem with it at all. I think it's, I think it's actually, I think it's actually better. Uh, and, and those one game wildcard games often end up being very, very exciting. Now, James says this year may ben, end up benefiting the Reds. And I think that's maybe true because we were having a conversation this week about you want to play the Dodgers or Giants in that wildcard game. And uh, I was convinced that we probably would rather play the Dodgers because I'd rather play the Dodgers in one game than have to beat them in a full series because the Dodgers are better than the Reds. And it's just a fact. You can always win one game. It's tougher to win a longer series. So, you know, I don't know. Let's toss Castillo out there and uh, have Suarez in clean up and let's, uh, let's roll the dice. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. That a season like this, it benefits the Reds in so far as we have a chance to get to the playoffs. But as far as winning a series, you're 100% right. We can Anybody can win a game. Exactly. Hooper Powell asks, besides Tony La Russa, who's your most hated manager from another team? Also your favorite. Yeah, you have to exclude Tony La Russa because that's obvious. Um, Tony La Russa is still managing. And he's still a moron. Um, my most hated manager from another team is um, I don't like that term hated necessarily, but it's uh, it's Whitey Herzog. If, if you're asking for any manager ever, uh, I don't know if you're talking about a current man. I don't think I hate any um, current managers around baseball, but uh, Whitey Herzog was the manager of the Cardinals in the '80s, and uh, I just you know I was a big Chris Sabo fan in '88, and Sabo made the All Star team, and I've told this story before, but Herzog, uh, there's two third basemen on the uh, National League's roster: uh, Pittsburgh's Bobby Bonilla and Chris Sabo. And Bobby Bonilla played the whole game, and Chris Abel got the pinch run once. I didn't stole a base, but still, you can't. And the game was in Cincinnati. You can't put the big rookie star in the in the game for a couple innings. Get out of here, Whitey Herzog. Uh, my favorite manager from another team is um, I'm going to have to say probably Sparky Anderson. He was the Tigers manager. <laughs> so he's probably my favorite. What about you, Nate? You got a one you like and one you don't. Um. I can differentiate between hate and sports hate. I don't actually hate any of these people, but I definitely sports hate a lot of a lot of people. Uh, Mike Schilt. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Know nothing about him other than that he is the Cardinals manager, so I sports hate him. What else do you need to know? All right. 
Um, I will say that the manager that I love to hate the most, Dusty Baker. Oh, there you go. A lot yeah. of love, a lot of hate. It's mixed mixed feelings. Oh, let's see here. Um, how about this question from Rex Scott? There have been some notable rule changes in Major League Baseball in recent years. Is there anything they still need to address with more rule changes, in your opinion? Are any of the newer ones troubling to you guys? For my part, I can't stand the way extra innings are handled now. It's against the natural order of things. Starting out each half inning with a runner on second is not as bad as the perpetuation of the DH. Yes, but it is heretical to this traditionalist heart. Um, yeah, the extra innings rule is garbage. It's got to go. I mean, it feels like a... I know the rather run, their management runs this team like an, a bad 11U travel baseball team. But, but every time I see that runner starting on second, that's what I think about. These... Travel baseball terms, which I like it in travel baseball because it meant get the stupid games over with and I can go home. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just uh, uh, I don't like that one. Um, yeah, they do need to address some some things. I saw a piece this week, and it wasn't necessarily complimentary, but of in the Atlantic League, you know, they they moved the mound back as kind of an experiment, back one foot instead of sixty feet six inches, they moved it back to sixty one feet six inches. And uh, they've seen that uh, pitchers can't control their breaking pitches more. Um, but, and they, well, they haven't seen injuries, more injuries or anything like that. But says that uh, some pitchers that have good breaking stuff, they like it because it, it's more room for the, the pitch to move. Um, and fastballs are, are, are fine. And, and, and the anecdotal evidence was players are striking out less, putting the ball in play more. They got to do something to get, have, get better striking out less and then play more. So that's my thought. Do you have anything you want to say? I have a fairly controversial opinion. I've, I've, I've tried to hash this out with some friends and I've spent time thinking about it and I can't really come to a rational argument, but I hate the shift. Oh, I do too. I hate the shift so much. There are nine positions. Play them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've gone back and forth on this one. At first, I was like, "Yeah, the shift—it's obvious. You want, you know." But now I see the effect that it's had on the actual product, and I've come around on it. On thinking that we need to, that needs to be changed. At the end of the day, it's an entertainment, yeah, event, and we need to treat it as such. We need to get people to watch it. Baseball was America's pastime for yeah. decades and decades, and we're losing ground to these far inferior sports. And I think baseball needs to embrace some of the things that might make it more watchable well those other professional sports all change all the time you know baseball has this thing about being traditionalist we don't want to change um but uh, at some point at some point you do have to change i'm not against it at all what about Uh, one new rule where a fan base gets to vote off vote a player off of another team's roster (laughs) i'm thinking if we could if we could vote yadier molina off of the Cardinals roster gosh I would be a happier human. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, you see, he's coming back next year for uh, one final season. I cried twice. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, I mean, me too. Uh, yeah, the most overrated player of my lifetime. The most overrated player of my life. Go look at his numbers at Baseball Reference, and then immediately go over and look at the numbers of uh, of Jason Kendall. Remembering uh, mostly from the Pirates. Um, go look at their numbers. Tell me who's better. Is Jason Kendall a Hall of Famer? He was a perfectly fine player. Nobody thinks he's a Hall of Famer. Go look at their numbers and tell me that Yadier Merlin is better than Jason Kendall. 
who Jason Kendall barely, barely got voted into the uh, the Kendall Family Hall of Fame. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That, that's not true. I'm going to fact check that one. <laughs> Actually, don't. We're just going to know what the truth get in the way of a good story. Exactly. Dwight Kelly asks, we love Shogo. I presume he's talking about Shogo Akiyama, you think? Um, I think so. Okay. So we love Shogo. Wanted to succeed. He and his family have been through some challenges so far. That's true. If you were the general manager this winter, would you work a deal to move him on from the Reds? His glove is great. True. But his bat so far, not so much. Uh, you know, we do love Shogo. Or, you know, I, I w- wish we could see some of what, what uh, he displayed in uh, in Japan before he came to the States. But he's been bad. I mean, just... He's just been worse than, you know, Cal Farmer. Bad. I know Cal Farmer superstar. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But yeah, bad example. Yeah, bad example. But so, uh, so trying to make a trade. The problem is he's owed seven million next year. So, you know, is somebody going to want to take that on for somebody who doesn't has not been productive in the big leagues? I think uh, you either. Cut bait on him if you have a you know a better group, and they should. You know, I think Akiyama or uh, Aristides Aquino at this point is more productive. People hate Aquino for some reason. I don't get it. Um, Nick Senzel may or may not be back. Um, they're, they're not. Reds won't cut bait on him because they owe him seven million dollars, and that's the most important thing. Um, sorry. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think. They, I don't think they can deal him. I don't think they can trade him. So, thoughts? Um, no, you're 100 percent correct. If if they can, to answer the question, if they can work a deal to move him on from the Reds, yeah, they absolutely should. I I, I just don't see a scenario where somebody's going to take on the rest of that salary and give up something you know productive in return, right? As well, I just I don't see it. I wish they'd trade him for uh, Shohei Otani. I mean, that's a pretty fair swap. Seems like it. Otani's not bad. Matt LaCron asks, how many more productive years can you see Votto having? How many more productive years? At this point, I'm going to say as many as he wants to have because I've <laughs> been, I was wrong on him before. I think the evidence was there for um, Phil looking like he's, uh, he was declining. Well, there was 100% there. But uh, the answer is he's going to have just as many productive years as Joey Votto was. What's the real answer, though? Oh, man, it's, it's so hard to say. I'm not going to lie. There were, there, were, there were times when I thought he was done already. Um, but I think if, if we're just being reasonable, being optimistic, we can get – if we can get three, oh, then be- even, even that's amazing. Yeah. It seems that two is the number, but again, it's Joey Votto. He's a Hall of Famer, and I'm not betting against him ever again. Joey, love that guy. Love that guy. Uh, Matt Lacron has a se- second question. What's the worst movie you've ever watched? Worst movie you've ever watched? Uh, the answer to that uh, for me is uh, speaking of Kevin Costner. Field of Dreams. Uh, that's not the movie. Worst movie. Worst. It's a different one. Kevin Costner movie. Waterworld. Oh man, Waterworld. You've seen Waterworld? It was just brutal, brutal oh, viewing terrible. experience. Terrible. Do you have a worst movie? 
I do. And it comes with a little bit of a story. A friend of mine years and years ago were going to the theater to watch, I believe it was one of the Thor movies. Um, we got to the theater, bought the tickets online, and they were like, oh, sorry, the movie's actually not playing. So we're like, well, we're here. we got to watch something. We ended up watching a movie called Skyline. No, no reference to the d- delicious chili. Um, <laughs> had it just been a movie about Skyline Chili, it would have been a much better experience. It was, it was by far the worst cinematic experience of my life. But I felt so bad about having spent $25 to watch this movie that my friend and I agreed that we were going to tell anyone who would listen that it was the greatest movie in history and that they should stop what they're doing immediately and watch it. And we kept this bit up for probably five years. And then finally it all paid off when a separate friend called us up using some questionable language saying I was in a hotel room um, on, uh, you know, on, on, on some trip with a day in between, didn't go out and just ordered a movie. He spent $35 in his <laughs> hotel to watch Skyline because we recommended it to him. Oh, you're such a good friend. Oh, that's a fantastic story. I, I love that story. Far too much joy out of that, and I should have. Oh, that's fantastic. So everybody listening, go watch Skyline. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. I will say quickly, uh, uh, this is not a movie podcast, obviously, but there was one movie that I went to see, and it was at kind of an art house uh, theater. And I went in, and there were 14 people in the theater. Um, now, I didn't know that when I walked I didn't count. I'm not a, a psycho. I didn't count everybody in the theater when I first walked in and sat down. But there were 14 people in the theater. The reason I know that is because by the time the movie ended, there were three of us. Because I did count how many walked out of the movie. And uh, the movie was called uh, Tree of Life, written and directed by Terrence Malick. It had uh, Brad Pitt, Jessica Chastain, Sean Penn. And, uh, and, and I stayed. And it was uh, nominated for uh, Academy Award for Best Picture, Best Director. And I got to tell you, it was different if you've not seen that movie. Uh, I watched it again later, and I kind of got it a little more. But I kind of got what he was trying to go for. But that's one. Unless you really are interested in Terrence Malick films, uh, then you probably want to stay away from that one. I'd say go watch a film called Badlands, 1973, with uh, with Martin Sheen. That's one of my favorite movies ever. That's Terrence Malick. Anyway, okay, enough <laughs> movie geek talk. I hate I, when we start talking about that because I get on a roll. A uh, couple questions here that... Um, Kind of go, uh, kind of go together. So we'll ask him uh, quickly. Rich Thompson first. Um, do you foresee the Reds calling up a deserving minor league pitcher that is not on the forty-man roster prior to roster expansion next month? And if the Reds do decide to call up a minor league pitcher prior to rosters expanding, what is the chance of uh, Hunter Green or Nick Lodolo being one of those call-ups? Peter Jerwick sa- says, "Hey guys, remember when the Rays used David Price out of the bullpen his rookie season in the World Series?" Sure, be cool to see Hunter Green do that for the Reds this year. Put those questions together because that's my answer, Hunter Green. Now, I will note that I thought Lodolo certainly would. It's not looking likely. Uh, he was placed on the seven-day uh, injured list in Louisville, left shoulder strain. Uh, so I'd say he uh, probably not going to. Uh, I don't know. Crazier things have happened, but probably not going to make it to the big leagues this year. But I, I, th- I thought the Reds should have brought up Hunter Green when T.J. Antone uh, went down and said they called it Max Schrock. And 
Can't complain about that. Max Schrock. It's a pretty good pitcher. <laughs> exactly right. Um, decent hitter. Uh, but they absolutely got to green up here for the chance of pitching him in the playoffs if they need him. Gosh, give him, give him, a, give him a month in the bullpen. And, uh, I know everybody, everybody freaks out because this is what happened with Araldus Chapman, and he never left the bullpen. But, you know, come on. That's a whole different scenario. You had Dusty Baker. Um, so I, I think the Reds are going to call up uh, Hunter Green. I really do. I really do believe that they will. Um, and I think they will be in the next couple. Have to be in the next uh, couple of days. But I really believe we're going to see him. And if not, I'm going to be a little frustrated with the Reds front office. Weird. Yeah. It's unlike you. I know, right? Anything you have to add to that one? No, it's the uh, it's the perfect litmus test for whether or not this front office is actually committed to winning. They are. They bring Hunter Green up. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, you got to have your best twenty six guys on your playoff roster. I mean, you just have to have your. It's such a dumb thing to have to keep saying, but the Reds never have their best twenty six, and so they put themselves behind the eight ball. John Majewski, how many wins do the Reds average over the next five years? I'm going with eighty eight. Optimistically predicting that the young talent and weakness in the division will outweigh a dysfunctional front office and ownership group. I've got a, a, a another question that goes right along with that as well. Kelly Buckner asks, Recently I've invested in the Reds. Literally. A soon-to-be family member of mine has convinced me to put money in a sports stock market called Symbol. B-U-L-L. Long story short, the team's market value is based on the buying and selling of shares of the team. And I earn .05 cents for every win per share. So, finally, what my question is, if when Castellanos opts out, what is the future of this team? Did I make a good investment? Reds to the moon? You should have poured it in that Dogecoin, that sweet, sweet <laughs> Dogecoin, man. What are you thinking, Kelly? So I put those together because you know, what, what, the next five years, what do we, what do we expect? I'm actually, I, I, I can argue it either way, I think. Um, I, I think the best argument is that the Reds are probably going to decline significantly because of front office inattention um, and ownership. That's I think that's probably the answer. But, man, the Reds have a nice young core. Their minor league system, rebuilt by David Bell. Once again, everybody needs to thank him. Uh, has a bunch of guys coming up, and we got the ones we talked about, the, the four rookies on the team this year, India, Stevenson, Barrero, and Gutierrez. And then you've got, you know, Green Illadolic, what we're talking about. I mean, this is, there is some young talent. If the Reds would just commit to filling in the gaps, my goodness, this team could do well. So I I think 88, I can't, I got, he's, John's asking how many wins the Reds are going to average. I'm going to say 81. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, be that guy. <laughs> I'm going to say they can be 500 over the next five years. What do you think? Um, first off, John, I love it. Love the optimism. I think there are some reasons for it, but I think if we're getting, uh, if we're being realistic, if the Reds average win average for the last five years was 68. So I'm, I'm not mm. as, as, you know, and I'm, I'm Mr. Optimism. I'm all about, Hey, this is a fun team. Like, let's go. But we gotta be a bit realistic. The front office has not done a lot to uh, to earn my trust 
or how they're going to handle the next few years. That said, I love being wrong. Please, I'm going to yeah. go. I'm going to go with John. Eighty-eight. <laughs> there we go. I love it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think if you have an entirely different ownership group in here at the end of this season, I think that the Reds could easily average eighty-eight. There's enough young talent that you just have to build around it. Um, but unfortunately, uh, Kelly, what I'm going to tell you is, um, after this season's over, sell your uh, sell your red stock. <laughs> Sell high. Yeah, sell high and get into that Dogecoin. Come on, man. But take solace in the fact that two years down the road, you can buy really low. (laughs) That's right. You can get back in the Reds in a couple years. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. All right, let's see. Oh, my goodness. We've been going long uh, here. Uh, Let's find another question or two. Um, Pete Wills, I love that question. Ask it again next week. It's going to take a little bit of time to, to think about and to get into, to discuss. We're just running out of time there. Um, uh, Kyle Kapler, here's one that I did want to uh, mention. If the rumor John, John Heyman again said back in the winter was true, it wasn't because John Heyman is not real. He's a figment of our imaginations or something. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think the Reds regret not tw- trading Eugenio Suarez to the Nationals? I like Gino as much as the next guy, but reality is harsh sometimes. Yeah, if the Reds had an opportunity to trade Suarez to the Nationals, um, yeah, I'd like a do-over on that. I hate to say it because I love Suarez. We always we always say that every time we talk about Suarez. I hate to say it, but he's bad and he's not getting better. At least he hasn't gotten any better, and he'll be thirty next year. So that's the only answer to that, right? I mean, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, but you know, a year ago, I would have said no way. It's like, oh, he's just he's, he's having a rough spell. He's going to bounce back. The way he's done the previous few years, he's going to be great again. But yeah, looking back now, sure. That's that's a that's a great point. You know, we hammer the front office all the time, but I can't hammer him for that one because that's exactly what I would have done. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have traded him. You know, after his age twenty eight season, you know, he had, he yes he had a bad sixty games last year, but it's clear he's just not he's not there. Um, Joey Gaditza, hey guys, any thoughts on Tony Santion being the future closer for the Reds? I like the idea. Interesting when the Reds uh, designated uh, Sean Doolittle for assignment that uh, Santion stuck around, even though he had options, which is, you know, that's always what the Reds do. Oh, he's got options, we've got to send him down. I think Tony Santion, I don't know about a closer, maybe, I, I'm, you know, but people forget, Santion was bad in AAA in the last AAA season they had. I mean, he was just bad. And uh, and it was disappointing because I guess he was 22 at the time and he had been so good in Double A, I mean really just brilliant. So he, the guy's got a live arm. Um, he, again, just 24, uh, only 13 games. So t- looking at a reliever's ERA doesn't really tell you a whole lot, but it is 3.76. So uh, I strikes out a lot of dudes. He strikes out a lot of dudes, but he's not my closer. You know who I want to see be the closer? Hunter Green. Burn it to the ground. Burn it to the ground. Man, can you imagine if uh, if they did that? Yikes. All right. Um, one more question here. I think just one more question. Yeah, one more. Let's, ask, let's answer this one very quickly. Charles Zollers asks, something non-Reds related. Are you guys Formula One fans? If so, who's your favorite team and driver? Yeah, I'm not. 
I am also not a fan, though I am mildly interested in this season's subplot. Because Lewis Hamilton, if I understand correctly, drives for Mercedes and wins all the time. And it seems like it's always these you know same car manufacturers that are always contending. But Red Bull apparently has a car. Huh. Okay. You know, I don't... The big battle is, is, is Mercedes versus Red Bull in the car battle. <laughs> really? So I find it hmm. interesting yet confusing. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that at all. Does the car run on Red Bull? Oh, maybe that's why it's so fast. It's got wings. It's cheating. <laughs> there you go. You know, um, a couple of friends of mine have been pushing me to watch this documentary series on Netflix about uh, Formula One. And I, I watched uh, an episode and a half, and it was pretty good. I'll maybe get back to it at some point, but uh, I've never really paid a, a lot of attention to it. Although I did like that um, that movie, uh, Ford versus Ferrari. That was a good movie. Mm. All right, I said that was the last question, but one more quickly, because I guess we really need to do this since his birthday's coming up. Chuck Nichols, happy Thursday, guys. Next week's my birthday week, so I'm making my way from Vegas to Cincinnati for the three-game series with the Cardinals. My question is, can you suggest some places to eat and things to do in downtown Cincinnati? Well, first thing I would say is, stay in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, from Vegas to, to Cincinnati? Cincinnati? It's like, you know, uh, the joke I used to make that uh, LeBron James is the only person in the history of the world to move from uh, Miami to Cleveland. He just he just goes the other direction. Um, well, it depends. I mean, you're going to be with a, with a family, you know, um, who you got with you, you know. Um, I, I would suggest the place that I like going these days is uh, is over the Rhine. I think they just what they've done uh, in OTR is uh, is a mess. Where we every time I'm hanging out in town, we, I end up we end up hanging out a bunch of places that are cool places to be. So um, I don't know. And you know, you go to Camp. Wa- I know everybody's gonna say Skyline. Nate might be getting ready to say Skyline. Go to Camp Washington Chili. That's the best Ooh. chili in Cincinnati. Camp Whoa. Camp Whoa. Washington Whoa. Chili. I know, and I just dropped that on you, didn't I? Man, we might get kicked off the podcast network. <laughs> now, nah, if you know, you know. Um, so that's my. You got anything to add to that? Great American Ballpark is another place to eat and the thing to do. I'm, I'm kind of thinking about meeting Chuck at this new chili spot. Ooh, Chuck, let me know when you're going to be there. I might be making a drive. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, Camp Washington's great. You need to do it. Um, I don't know. There's lots of fun stuff to do. Um, you know. Uh, in our uh, in our Slack channel, um, Joe Farsing. Joe didn't ask a question this week. How dare you, Joe. Oh, my gosh. He's probably unsubscribed. I wouldn't blame him if he did. Um, he suggested that we go to Finley Market. And, you know, I don't know why I, I've never spent any time at Finley Market. I just never have. I just, you know, I don't know. It's, it was fantastic. We had such a good time. We had such a good time there. Um, so, anyway, lots of fun stuff to do. Happy birthday, man. All right, Nate. That's about it for for tonight. I think, right? I think we've uh, I think we've covered it all. Do you have any final thoughts before we uh, head off into the uh, the good night? I mean, we're a game and a half up on the wild card. We are four games up on the Cardinals, which might be even better. So uh, let's go. Let's yeah, go let's go, man. Yeah, you're right. This it's gonna be a fun stretch here. And so dig in and enjoy it because we don't get these times as Reds fans very often. So let's, if there's ever a time to be kind of optimistic and enthusiastic, man, now's it, isn't it? it? This is the time. Get rid of the noise. Root for your Reds. 
We got a, we got a, we got a quick hike to the end of this season. Let's see what happens. Let's do it. All right. Well, um, you know how to subscribe to the podcast. I would encourage you if you wanted to join the the family at the patreon.com slash com slash redleg radio. Um, go there, check it out. Uh, feel free to join the family if you want. If not, it's fine. Whatever. We're, we're still doing this podcast every week and, uh, and having a good time doing it. All right. Uh, Nate, it was fun, buddy. Had a great time. Thank you for having me. All right. For Nate Dotson and I'm sorry, Tyler Naquin, for saying bad things about you. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.